Well done, Switch guys. I'm pretty sure there's leftovers, so um, if you are um, all the single ladies or not a mum, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, um, you might be able to scam one after church if you're nice. A gift, that'd be cool. Thanks, musicians. And you doing okay today? Yes. How many remember what last week was about? Yell it out. It's nice for you guys to tell me I suck. Um, yeah, last week was 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 I suck, you suck, we all suck. And the reality is, is that this series is all about learning to love people that suck the life out of us. We all have people in our worlds that suck the life out of us, whether that be their auntie at Christmas or whether it be the person sitting beside you um, or whether it be someone at school or someone in the workplace. or We all have people or have encountered people for our lives that tend to suck the life out of us. And what last week was all about was understanding that we suck too. We might think that everybody else sucks, but there's somebody out there that feels like you suck the life out of them. And what we tend to do a lot is we tend to point the finger at everybody else instead of actually looking at ourselves. And the Bible says this, that you shouldn't be removing the speck from your brother's eye when you've got a whopping beak plank sticking out of your own eye. And remember, I told you that if you ever talk to somebody that likes picking on little things or criticizing you about stuff and they've got beak issues in their own life, when, when they talk to us, what do we do? We do this. Until they ask why. And then you tell them, no, just joking. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> it's rude. Um, but you can do it in your head. Uh, because we have to understand that if we're going to love people that we struggle to love sometimes, we've got to understand that we've got stuff in us that we need to fix first. Yes. We need to make sure that we've got our stuff together, and then we need to put in some boundaries, not barriers, but boundaries, yeah? Barriers are different. Barriers shut people out of our lives. Boundaries keep people at a certain space in our lives, yeah? Boundaries are for their safety, and boundaries are for your safety. Barriers lock people out. Boundaries just keeps everything safe, all right? So that was last week. This week is called Vampires Rule the Night. Um, because if you ever watch a vampire movie, you know that they always function at night time, don't they? Because if they come out during the day, the sunlight... If you've, oh, man, it's just a tough crowd today. <laughs> and, um, and so that's what it's about tonight. Why? Because vampires always operate. The people that suck the life out of you the most are people that usually operate in the dark areas of our lives, in other words, in our hurt areas of our lives. And, and, the, and the thing is, is that most of us, if not all of us, understand what we need to do when we hurt somebody. If I hurt Rimmer's feelings, um, then I know what to do. I just tell him to harden up. No, no, don't do that. Um, if I hurt someone's feelings, it's really, really easy. I just have to go to them and apologize. I know how to reconcile with someone when I have done the wrong, when I have been the one that has offended. I know what I need to do. I go and apologize to them. I ask for forgiveness. I know what to do when I am wrong. What I think a lot of us don't really know what to do is when you are not wrong and you have done nothing wrong, but someone has wronged you, and they haven't apologized, and they haven't asked for forgiveness, and they're not going to, how do we process that? What do we do with that? When somebody wrongs us, but they're not going to say sorry, how do we handle that? What do we do? Because I can tell you right now that I've had to learn this a lot, and all of us have had to learn this a lot, even parenting, even mums need to learn this, because sometimes kids can be quite cruel, can't they? That was your chance, mums? They can be quite cruel. Yes? Yes. And so you have to learn, how do I process, how do I deal with that? 
that person should come and apologize, but they're not going to come and apologize. They're not going to ask for forgiveness. They're not going to reconcile. So what do I do with that? Well, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to work our way for a few verses. And I think that this is going to help you to be able to process maybe some hurt that you've carried for a long time in your life where no one's actually apologized, be it a parent, be it a family member, be it a friend, be it a pastor, be it whoever it may be, has not done it. And you've kind of walked around with this dark space where the vampire has lived that has constantly sucked the life out of you and it's caused you not to make a full commitment to people, not to make a full commitment to God, not to make full commitments here because somewhere in the, in the dark recesses of your soul there is a pain, there is a hurt that's never been reconciled, never been processed and you're not really sure how to do that. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 it says this, it says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What the scripture is basically saying, it's like every morning when you get up, you need to Almost uh, as much as you physically in the morning when you get up and you have a shower and you get dressed and you put your clothing on, what the scripture is kind of saying is that we need to almost daily clothe ourselves spiritually and understand that that's the old self. The old self is not who I am anymore. I, I'm a new self and put this new stuff on because we, our old self might react one way or behave one way towards circumstances, but the Bible says that we are a new person and we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, and so therefore we don't function the way that we used to, we function the way that we are now as a new creation, and we find that our identity now is in Christ, and so we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so all of our identity about who we are, about how we react, about our attitudes, about everything, is really all processed in the fact that our identity is now in God. And when we don't dress ourselves daily, just in our minds are saying, hey, I'm a new creation. I was a sinner, but now I'm a saint. Come on. I don't behave like a sinner anymore. I behave like a saint. If we don't remind ourselves of that daily, then what we tend to do is we tend to forget that our identity is in Christ. We start to remember our sins, but we also start to remember the sins that others have done to us. And then we start to wonder what's really going on and confusion starts to come into our world because how we dress ourselves in this new creation creates our identity in Christ. It's a little bit like uh, we dress particular ways because we're trying to get people to identify us in a particular way. So some of us work in jobs where you have to wear a, a suit and a tie and a shirt. Why? Because it's trying to identify you in a particular way. If you're a mechanic, you don't turn up to work in a suit and a tie and work on engines. It's just, that's not what you do. What you do, you wear overalls with your name on it because that's identifying there's a mechanic and it's got his name on it so I know who he is. You don't go into the bank and the manager's sitting there in overalls with oil all over it because you wouldn't go into that bank. There's a certain amount of identity about who we are based on what we wear. And so what the scripture is saying is that we're new creations, the old self, the old selfish desires, the old way that we used to respond, we need to put that aside and we need to put our new self on, which is the true righteousness and holiness of God because our identity is now found in Him. And if you don't do this daily, you will forget and you'll start to remember who you are and you'll start to remember what others have done to you. But when we come to Christ, we are a new creation. The old has passed our identity is no longer in ourselves, but our identity is in Christ. And it's funny because in the book of Ephesians, if you've never read it, you should read it. Because in the book of Ephesians, 38 times, it talks about who we are in Christ. That we are, Christ is our forgiveness, that Christ is our righteousness, that Christ is our perfection. It's all about who he is. And if we look at ourselves, 
we will have an inaccurate identity of who we are now in Christ. But if we look to Christ and we understand our identity is in Christ and our hope is in Christ and that we won't be identified anymore as a sinner, but rather as a saint. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians, he starts the book in, in Ephesians 1.1 where Paul says, and a, a Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints that are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. If you know anything about Ephesus, there weren't a whole lot of saints there. There was a whole lot of sinners there. But you, you recognize what Paul starts in this whole book where he's talking about what their identity is in Christ. He starts off with to the saints. He doesn't start off, hey, to you dirty, worthless, rotten sinners. He starts off with, with their they're saints. If you're, if you're someone who you understand that Jesus died for you and you love him, you are brand new. If you're giving your life to him, you're brand new. You've given away your old nature. You now have a new nature. You now have new desires. You now have a new mind. You now have a new power of the Holy Spirit. And you people, uh, you people put off the old sinful way of life and we put on the new Christian way of life, and if we do that every morning when we get up, then we're because we're prone to forget who we really are in Christ, and we need to remind ourselves daily who we are. So we clothe us as we clothe ourselves physically, we clothe ourselves spiritually, so that we can be reminded who we are. And then I can get up and say, I am not primarily a sinner, but I am a saint. Now That doesn't mean that we don't sin, because we do. But Jesus is my righteousness, and my identity is in Christ. And the way that I used to respond to people when they hurt me, out of anger, frustration, bitterness, and hatred, I don't have to respond that way anymore. You know why? Because Jesus didn't respond that way to me. And because Jesus didn't respond that way to me, and now I am in Christ, then I don't need to respond any other way than how Jesus responded to me to them. Because my identity is not in what I have done to them. My identity is not in what they have done to me. My identity is in Christ's love for me. Are you with me today? Ephesians 4.25, it goes on after he talks about putting off the old nature and putting on the new nature. And he says this, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. After he says you put off the old self and you put on the new self and you realize that your identity is Christ, so you're not going to respond in anger and frustration and all those things, but you're going to respond the right way. He says, then we need to speak the truth. We need to actually speak the truth to people about how they have hurt you. Now, speaking the truth is not blaming someone. It's not being nasty to someone. This is where we get it wrong. It's like we want to tell someone how much they hurt us, and so we start off, and it's usually starting off with, when you did that, you really hurt me, and you And it's like, what, what's somebody going to do when you approach them that way? Someone's going to automatically defend themselves. Come on, you're, there's parents in this place. If you go after your kids hard out because you think that they've done something wrong, then they're immediately going to respond in a defensive manner. So you don't blame, and you don't need to be nasty about it, but you have to be truthful. You have to be truthful with people. We have to be honest about what is going on. And there's a tendency in the church world and in the Christian world, there's a tendency to say, oh, it's all good. It's not a big deal. Trust me, I do that all the time. People go, oh, I'm sorry we said that. Ah, it's all good. It's not a big deal. It doesn't bother me much. It's all in the past. The problem with this, if you keep on saying that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all in the past. It's no big deal. The problem is if you keep on saying that and it still hurts what they did to you then, still hurts you now, the hurt is not in the past. The hurt is in the present. 
And so you can't diminish it by going, oh, that was then. Because the hurt is right now. Even if what they did to you was 30 years ago, you're hurting in the present. Are you hearing me? To say that it isn't a big deal is to diminish the work of Jesus on the cross because it was such a big deal that Jesus came and died on the cross for that hurt, for what you've suffered, so that you could be healed. To say it's not a big deal when you're in pain right now is to diminish the fact that Jesus died on the cross so that he could heal you of that. It is a big deal. And we need to be truthful. And we need to say it's a big deal. And that it does bother you. You need to talk about it honestly. And they need to know how you feel. Now, I precurse all that with this. Last week, I think I talked about this, that the whole process, when someone offends you, the Bible says that you go and you talk to them. And, and, we're, we're, and, it says, and, if they, and the Bible says this, if they don't listen to you, then you take someone else with you. This is where we've got it wrong in the Christian world. Because we take someone else with us if they don't agree with me. But the Bible doesn't say if they don't agree with you, take someone else. The Bible says if they don't listen to you. And so us communicating how we feel or us communicating about the hurt that has been caused is not to get them into an agreement of that, oh, yeah, you're right, I did hurt you. If that's your agenda for having the conversation, then your agenda is wrong. It's not about what they're going to do. It's about how you respond. And they don't have to agree with you. They just have to listen to you. Are you okay? I know I'm touching on some stuff here for some people. We need to be truthful about how we feel. So let me ask you a question. And you don't have to answer it verbally. Because <laughs> that could be awkward. But who's hurt you the most in your life? What relationship do you have that is unreconciled? Well, let me put it this way. When you think about hurt and pain that you've gone through in your life, who does the Holy Spirit bring to your mind? Who does God bring to the surface? Because we need to be honest about it. And we need to be as honest as we can with them and talk truthfully about it. And then he goes on and says this in Ephesians 4, 26. In your anger, do not sin. See, this is the key. You're actually allowed to be angry. Just don't sin. God gets angry. Jesus got angry in the temple. And here's the thing. Anger is the right response to sin. Are you hearing me today? Anger is the right response to sin. In your anger, don't sin. doesn't say you can't be angry. Don't sin. Let me put it this way so that maybe this will help you. The statistics say now that one in every three females are sexually violated by somebody close to them, be it a parent, an uncle, or a grandparent, or someone close to them. If that doesn't make you angry... I would question where you have the heart of God because it makes him angry when people hurt people like that. If that doesn't make you angry, there's something wrong. That is not okay. That should never be part of our society. Abortions up to, to birth, the date of birth, is not okay. It's murder. 
Every life is created by God, for God. In spite of the circumstance that it came about, God has a plan and a purpose for every single person because he says that before you live the single day of your life, I've planned every single one. And some people have come into the world through incredible traumatic experiences, but it doesn't deny that the Savior of the world can use that life to transform lives all over the world. Every life is precious. And if that doesn't make you angry, I have to question whether you have the heart of God. Because anger is not sin. It's a powerful emotion that leads us into sin if we can't control it. But it's also a powerful emotion to help you break through into things if you don't let it lead you to sin. I've been watching this series on TV called SAS Australia. Has anybody ever watched it? They put celebrities through the SAS course and of course, all the celebrities think they're hot stuff and the, and, the celeb- and the SAS guys just completely destroy them emotionally and everything. It's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> but one of the episodes that they do is they teach them how to harness their anger. The anger isn't wrong. It's good. You just got to harness it. And they said, you got to learn how to turn it on and turn it off. Anger is the right response to sin and we should be angry when something sinful is done to us, but we're just gonna learn when to turn it on and when to turn it off and not let it push us through to sin. You can be angry and not sin. And if you've been sinned against in a very hurtful way, then you should feel angry about it. It's healthy to feel angry in a right way. Just look At the book of Psalms, for crying out loud, David is constantly being angry. Why is it that sinners prosper? Why is it that evil has... He's not afraid to be angry about what he sees as an injustice. However, the flip side is the second half of the Psalm is all about, but God, you're awesome and you're amazing and you're fantastic. You can be angry, but in the right way. And then he goes on to say in the second part of that verse of 26... It says, be angry, but do not sin, and do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, don't carry around that anger for 30-odd years. Don't let the sun go down before you have processed that. Yeah? In other words, deal with it that day. Because the longer you let it go on, the worse it's going to get and the worse it's going to hurt. And if we don't work through that sin that hurt us, it will be destructive to you for the rest of your life. When we're sinned against, we think we have the right to hold on to it. And when we hold on to it, that becomes bitterness. And when bitterness gets a root in you, you're in trouble. And before you know it, your lives are over and your whole entire life is being destroyed because you've never processed the anger. So with urgency, as much as we can, we need to work this out. Because verse 27 says it all, and do not give the devil a foothold. In other words, he's saying here, you can be angry and not sin, that's okay. It's a right response. However, you need to deal with that anger that day and process it because if you don't, it then becomes a foothold for the devil in your life. And the crazy thing about hurt that's done to us is it's never our fault, but the healing of it is our responsibility. And that's what makes it so sucky. See, Satan loves a bitter believer. He will empower their words and make them more powerful. But you need to understand that the only access that Satan has to a believer is the access that the believer allows through sin. He can't, he can't just waltz on into your life however he wants and control it. But if you don't deal with the stuff and you get bitter, then you give him a foothold and he has access. What can happen is you you can feel like you have the right to respond sinfully towards them because they've acted sinfully towards you. And when you get into that mindset, you're inviting the devil into your words, into your deeds, 
and into your relationships. And you know, when you hurt others because others have hurt you, you're not a victim anymore. You've become a predator. You've become the very thing that they are because you're doing the very same thing. So don't just think about your hurt. Think about your enemy and how he is using your hurt to manipulate you to hurt others. That is how the devil works. He uses your hurt and he manipulates you to get you to use your hurt to hurt others. That's why as a married couple, and I can say this because we've been married 28 years, that's why you can have an argument about the socks that you throw towards the washing basket, always landing short of the washing basket. And before you know it, 10 minutes later, your mum's this and your mum's that, and everything's just escalated into this full-blown apocalyptic argument because somebody missed the washing basket by about two centimetres and they're still working on their NBA career. Ephesians 4.28 says this, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that may have something to share with those that are in need. And so the Bible says, don't, make sure you're clothing yourself with the right identity so you don't respond the way that you used to, but you respond the right way. It's okay to be angry, just don't sin in it. And don't let that anger last more than a day, but deal with it so that the devil doesn't have a foothold. And then he says, those that are stealing, stop stealing. You're like, well, I don't steal stuff, so I'm okay. But what he's really saying here is, if you're someone who stole, stop stealing. Why? New habits. You need to stop what you were doing. You need to have new habits, new responses. When you get angry, you become self-consumed very, very quickly. Yes? Let's be honest, when you get angry about a situation, all you're thinking about is your side of it. Never anybody else's side of it. So can I suggest something to you, as the scripture suggests here, that, that maybe when you get to that point, rather than self-consuming on yourself and what's going on with you, serve someone else. He says here, he says, that um, you have something to share with those in need. In other words, stop, stop what used to be your habits and your behavior and then go and serve someone else. Go and love on someone else. Go and you know, redirect your habits so that you're serving someone else because we all have old habits and old ways and old patterns and ways of reacting, and, and they can become our default settings where we just react that way. For some, it could be picking up alcohol. For some, it could be gossip. For some, it could be breaking something physically, just destroying something. That could be their response to stuff. Some, it could be going and punching the fence or whatever it is. There's a, there's a response. There's an old way that we used to respond to things. But he's saying, hey, hey, if you used to steal, don't steal anymore. Go and share something. Go and help someone in need. Go and serve someone else. Create a new habit. Create a new response. Create a new way of doing things. He's saying now, through the Holy Spirit now, because you're clothed in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, you now have the power in place for new responses to old frustrations. New responses to old frustrations. Because we're not who we were, we've now got our identity in Christ. And he goes on and says in verse 29, he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I think it's interesting that he starts off by talking about how we are clothed in Christ now. And then he starts going through and, and hitting on all the things that we struggle with. Even though we're saved, we still respond in our frustrations the old way. And he's trying to help us to understand that that. This is what's going to happen, and you've got to keep clothing yourselves daily and understanding who you are in Christ. Otherwise, you'll slip back into old habits. And he says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. When we are sinned against, when we are hurt, we tend to lose control of our tongue, don't we? Or maybe it's just me. 
I'll just make it about me this morning so that you're okay. The first thing that we lose is control of our tongue. And the problem with that is Proverbs says that the power of life and death are in the tongue. And do you know that um, you, can, you can stab someone verbally? I'm not going to say who, but I know a family and, and uh, one of the daughters was getting a little bit of a stick at school uh, from a bit of a bully and her sister rocked up and um, sorted the situation out and that, that girl went home and told her mum, you should have seen her. She beat them up with her words. There was no physical altercation. She just destroyed them with her mouth and reduced them to tears in a puddle of mess on the floor. Words have that power, don't they? Come on, let's be honest. You see, I got punched in the face several times at school because I was small and I had a smart mouth. So I used to get hit quite often. But you can't see any of my black eyes that I got when I was eight, nine, ten years of age before I wised up. I can't even remember the names of the guys that hit me. But I can remember what my sixth grade teacher said to me. I can remember when he told me that I was just a worthless piece of scum who would never do anything in life. I can remember that like it was yesterday. And, I, and it used to be a saying when I was a kid, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What a load of crap. <laughs> I know people that have broken bones and they don't sit at home going, oh man, when I was nine, I broke my leg. <laughs> I just... I don't know how I'm coping with that. But I know people that will sit in my office crying at 50 years of age because of something that happened to them when they were six emotionally. We've got to deal with our hurts because the people that suck the life out of you or have been sucking the life out of you, the vampires that have hurt you and suck the life out of you, they may never, ever, ever apologize to you or seek reconciliation. So you have to do this for yourself. You can stab someone verbally. Have you ever seen people having a fight and you can't really see what they're saying or hear what they're saying, but you can see that there's a bit of a spat going on. I remember once we're in a cafe and, and, and Trinity and I were having lunch or something or other, and there was a couple in behind Trinity. You could see that there's a bit of an argument going on. You know how you see that sometimes and, and you're able to realise and, and they've been really angry, but quietly, you are the worst person I could ever meet. If they were at home, we'd be like, you're the worst person I've ever met. But in the cafe, it's like, we, we'd, oh, secret, quiet, whisper, anger is coming on right here. Parents do that in church to their kids when they're misbehaving. Stop it or I will whip you when I get home. It's the anger whisper. And that was going on. And then he said something. I don't know what he said. But she was leaning forward and he said something. She went, whoa. She had a physical response to a verbal stab. And she recoiled physically. I want to tell you, you can hurt people hugely with our words. But now that you are in Christ, we put off the old self, the old way. And we have a new way that we respond. And we don't act like that anymore. You act like the Holy Spirit would react. You know, sometimes, way, way in the past in our marriage, because you know, I'm pretty perfect now after 28 years. But I would sometimes say something to Trinity that was pretty hurtful. And she would turn around and say to me, man, you shouldn't say stuff like that. That's really hurtful. And my response would be, well, if you didn't do this, then I wouldn't do that. You know what it is when we do that? Is that in our hurt and our bitterness, instead of talking about and being honest about our hurt and our bitterness and dealing with our hurt and our bitterness, what we do is we completely ignore it and we excuse it by blaming somebody else for what they've done. Sorry. It's what we do. We justify 
our hurt. We justify the horrible things that we've said. We justify the gossip that we have with all of our friends. We justify all this sort of stuff by saying, well, I wouldn't behave that way if they didn't behave that way. We justify it by pointing out somebody else's sin and completely excusing ours. Yet Jesus' response against, when he was sinned against verbally, Jesus responded this way, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He responds by the power of the Holy Spirit because we need to remember that he was fully God, yet he was fully man, and that he was tempted with the same temptations that we are tempted with to respond a particular way, but Jesus' words were always life-giving. He didn't respond badly. He just said, hey, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus didn't have a problem telling people things like, hey, you think that this is this, but I'm telling you, if you even look at a woman that way, you've committed it. He didn't have problems telling people the truth. But when things were done to him personally, his verbal response was, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. He didn't repay their like for like. And so it says here, um, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And then the verse goes on and it says, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And when we are hurt, we tend to think of ourselves and we use our words to defend ourselves. But I think we need to be like Jesus and respond with how can we serve them? How can we help them? How can we bless those who persecute us? You see, I think it's such a hard thing for us. It's easy for me to say that, but I think it's such a hard thing for us to do because it's not in our nature that when you punch me in, my, in the face, I pray for you. That's not my natural response. It's like if I'm, if I, after the church service this morning, somebody hasn't liked what I've said, probably Rimmer, and he comes up and he punches me in my face. The next thing I'm going to do is not this. Father, I just pray for him right now. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've, I've had a few play fights at home in my time with my kids, especially Seth. And as Seth has gotten older, dads, you're going to have to back me up on this, but you hit them once, they hit you twice. So then you hit them again so that you're even, two hits each, right? But they hit you again. And it's like, hold on, this is not working out. That's three versus my two, so I get one more. No, you don't, you don't get any more. If you hit me, I'm gonna hit you. It's not fair, is it? You, know, you hit them once, I hit you twice. That's our nature, isn't it? It's not to respond with, oh, you hit me, okay. Father, we just thank you. We love them. Our response is like, you hit me, I'm gonna hit you back, and I'm probably gonna hit you twice. It's not in our old nature but it is in our new nature. By the power of the Holy Spirit, when people hurt you, you can actually think of things that you can do for their good to help them. Oh, I, I can't do that. I, I really can't do that. Craig, you don't understand. I can't do that. Yes, you can. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do that. That's why it's a miracle. That's why it's a miracle what takes place. You, can, you can't learn this. It requires the Holy Spirit to empower you to do it. Romans 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit for whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. And you might be like, man, I can't do any of that. I can't love them. I can't forgive them. I can't tell them the truth because I'm really worried about the consequences of that. I can't say things uh, truthfully without getting angry and mean-spirited and bitter and escalating it. I'm here to tell you today that yes, you can, but only through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us the power to go in this direction. We need to clothe ourselves daily and go, hey, I'm not the old me, I'm the new me. And, and my identity is in you and you can forgive and you can um, forgive people and you can let go of stuff and there's no bitterness in you, God. And so my identity is in you. It's in your righteousness. It's in your holiness. It's in your forgiveness. And I can clothe myself every day in those things so I don't respond the way that I used to, but it requires the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to be in our lives. 
You don't have to do this yourself. Madison, can you come? You don't have to do this yourself. Jesus has already done it for you on the cross. And then he sent his Holy Spirit to enable you to do what he did. Listen to me when I say this. When you forgive people, you are not doing something for God. He is doing something for you, in you, and through you. And the reason why this has to be God doing it for you, in you, and through you, is because otherwise, if God's not doing it, in my opinion, it sounds really mean-spirited to say to a victim, you should be nice, you should be kind, and you should be gracious to that person. I'm sorry, but in my natural thing, I think that's cruel. But understanding new nature, the kingdom, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, Jesus was a victim Jesus was traumatized. Jesus was hated. Jesus suffered physically. Jesus has been exactly where you are. He has shed tears to the point that he bled tears. And he is the God who sympathizes with you. You can't tell him he doesn't understand because he went through everything you've gone through and more. And the way that Jesus responded is a miracle. And the way that he wants to empower you to respond is in a miraculous way also, so that you aren't bound up in this stuff, but God can free you from it. There's a very different way to get people to change their behavior by forgiving them, but it's the only way that works. And it is inviting the Holy Spirit to come and change our behavior so we become more like Him, more like our new self, more like our new creation. Behold, the old is gone, everything is new. I can step into that. I can step into a new way of responding, a new way of forgiving. I can step into all that because of what Jesus has done for me, because I am now clothed in Him, and I'm clothed in His forgiveness, and I'm clothed in His righteousness, His holiness, His love and kindness, and because my identity is in Him, I don't have to respond how my old self would respond. I can respond as my new self in Christ. And then Paul brings the hard words. In Ephesians 31, he says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger brawling and slander, along with every other kind of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. But we'll look at that next week. Because I'm telling you, friend, if we can't get this stuff right, it will destroy you. That's why vampires rule the night, because they get into the dark places of our souls that nobody else sees. And that's where they rule in your world because if you can't forgive, they have power over you. I say this very vulnerably for you. So far this year, I have had emails that have told me I'm insecure, have told me that I'm pathetic, have told me that I'm a false teacher, that I preach false doctrine. I've had people attack me personally. And I'm telling you, I can't do this if I respond this way. My response to that is they're just hurting broken people. And I've said this several times in our church and I'll say it again, hurting people hurt people so if somebody is hurting you it's because they're hurting and we can respond how they're responding 
Or we can turn around and go, hold on, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I don't respond that way. And you know what happens in the process of you responding the right way? You probably help them heal in their hurt and find the right way also. We don't have the right to hold on to unforgiveness because we've never paid the price for anybody's sin. Only Jesus did. He's the only one that can decide who does and who doesn't deserve forgiveness. We don't have that right. It's not our right. We have to forgive, not for their sake, but for your sake, so that there doesn't get a foothold in your life. And I was so touched when Trinity started sharing this morning because she didn't really know I was going to talk about this. But I do feel this strongly in my spirit that some of you, man, you've, it's not your, here's the thing, it's not your fault. What was done to you is not your fault. And it seems incredibly unfair that you have to be the responsible for your healing when you didn't do anything wrong. But you're not getting healed for their sake, you're getting healed for your sake. Because otherwise you'll be 50 something years of age and still being controlled by the hurt that somebody caused you when you were six or seven years of age. I had a pastor tell me when I was doing my internship that you'll never do anything for God, you'll never pastor your own church, you'll never do anything for Him. How do you process that? Well, you understand this. The old me would be like, bring around all my mates, you wouldn't believe what he said. Write to David Ferrier. The new South turns around and says, hey, bro, you can say whatever you want, but my life is in his hands. He's the one that promotes. He's the one that opens the doors that nobody else can open. He's the one who directs my paths, not you. Not you. I don't direct your paths. God directs your paths. But if I didn't respond that way, I can tell you now, I probably would have been bitter and I probably would have walked away from it all and nearly did, to be honest, until God spoke to me one day and he said, I didn't hurt you. He hurt you. Don't turn your back on me. I'm the only one that can heal you. And we have to understand that people hurt you, but God never does. And He's the only answer. He's the only solution. And we've got to respond the right way because we don't need the pain of our past. We don't need the vampires of our past sucking the life out of us when we've got a calling and God's got plans and God's got purpose for your life. We can't afford for something to rob us of all that God wants to give us. So I wanna encourage you today, deal with it. You might have to go and talk to someone and say, hey, when you did that, that hurt me. Don't, don't, don't go with the agenda of they better apologize. It's not about what they do. It's not about whether they apologize or not. It's about you processing. It's about you dealing with the anger so that you don't sin, so that you don't create a foothold, so that you can step into all that God has for you. And some of you have had stuff happen to you where the person is now dead and so there's no ability for you to reconcile with them. So let God reconcile you. In Colossians chapter one, it talks about Jesus being like an accountant who goes around and reconciles all of our accounts. And I'm believing today as we pray for you that the Holy Spirit is gonna go and take all the bits that have been taken you from you over the years by people and He's gonna reconcile your account and make you whole again so that you can step into everything that He has for you. So while everybody closes their eyes, I just wanna ask, 
there's anybody in this place, you've got some stuff, you've got some hurt that has happened to you, you've never probably processed it properly or you've tried to, and maybe you even had counseling before, and look, you should get counseling. Counseling, I, I go to counseling every once a month. It's really good. It helps me, keeps my keeps my head in the right space. All that stuff is really, really good for you, but I'm telling you right here, right now, the Holy Spirit is here. And the Holy Spirit wants to come and reconcile and make you whole again and help you to process that anger so that the sun doesn't go down on it, so that the enemy doesn't get a foothold, but that Christ would get a foothold in that area of your life that has been so hurtful for so long. And then out of that, our God does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think of according to His power that's at work in us. And He can turn what was a bad thing. He can turn a tragedy into a triumph. He can turn a stumbling block into a stepping stone. He can do all of that. He can choose your pain to bring healing to hundreds of people all over the place because that's the way that God works. All things work together for good for those who love God. And God loves you and the Holy Spirit wants to come and reconcile you this morning. So while nobody's looking around, I wanna ask you this morning, if you're here and they're like, man, Craig, would you pray for me that God would reconcile? I've got some hurt, I've got some stuff, I've got some things that I, I, I got some pain, I've got some hurt I need to really deal with. I've got some vampires sucking the life out of me. Would you pray that God would come and reconcile me this morning when nobody's looking around? Why don't you lift your hands right now? If that's you, you're like, Craig, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Is there anybody else in this place? Come on, keep your hands right up. Anybody else in this place today? All right, you can put your hands down now. Why don't we all stand to our feet just for a moment and we're gonna pray for those that lifted their hands. If you didn't lift your hand and you know that you shouldn't lift your hand, then you know what? You can pray along with this too because God can still move. It's not about your response. It's about your response now in this moment. So Father, we thank you right now in this place that you're the God that heals, that you're the God that restores, that you're the God that reconciles. And I pray that you we go out right now from this place. Holy Spirit, go to the different parts of the nation or the, or the city or the world or wherever you need to go and find the bits that have been stolen from people, the hurt that has been caused over the years, even from 30 years ago or wherever it may have been, that you would reconcile, that you would bring them back to wholeness again, that you would help them to forgive that person, that you'd help them to step into the righteousness of God, the holiness of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, the grace and the mercy that we would clothe ourselves with that every day. And our identity would be no longer the hurt and the pain, but our identity would be our forgiveness and our salvation and our freedom and our healing that is in Jesus Christ. And so Father, come right now. Holy Spirit, do your work and reconcile and heal right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. Holy Spirit, do the work right now. Do the work right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. I want to encourage you, if you put your hand up this morning, here's the first thing that's going to happen to you this week. The devil's going to come along and say, that didn't work. That didn't work. Or the person you just forgave is probably going to hurt you again this week. Because that's just the way the enemy works to try and tell you that it didn't work. Except for this time, and instead of responding the way that you used to respond, you're gonna respond the new you. You're gonna respond the Jesus way. And you're not gonna allow the enemy to get a foothold in your life any longer in Jesus' name. Hey, why don't you stick around and, and get to know us. We've got some brownie and stuff out there. Mums, there's photo booth, get the kids to, you know, smile, husbands, round up the children for your wife to get the photo. Mums love family photos, so let's make sure we get all of those and grab a coffee and we'll see you all next Sunday. God bless and we'll see you then.